Hello everyone and welcome to the Northerners Car Show. Ah yeah, hello everyone. This is our weekly themed motoring podcast featuring me, Ethan. And me, Daryl. Catch us on all podcast players and most social media platforms, which you can all find linked in the description below. With that being said, we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of season 2 and uh, it's not looking good. Why isn't it? Listen to my voice. Oh. See, I don't know what's caused it. I think it was a combination of going to a football game against a rival team and then sort of inheriting a cough from someone there. Because if you notice, this is I don't know why we're starting on this, but there you go. <laughs> well, because you're hypochondriac. Yeah, because I think I think I got the, the bad throat from the, sh- like the celebrating or whatever and then a, a cold sort of came along with it. From someone I want to say. Yeah. But I wouldn't sat next to anyone, were I? Although, we walked through that lot, so. Yeah, you're more excuses than Nigel Mansell. Or, um, and Senna. No, he didn't really have any. Oh, to be fair, he did have quite a few excuses. Well, all drivers do. It was like, if you no longer go for a gap that never exists, you're no longer a racing driver. Have you heard that one? Well, like a statement, not a, not a complaint. Nigel was also, full of them. Yeah, but that's like his reasoning for like taking people out. Anyway, should we actually talk about stuff that we plan to talk about? Well, yeah, this is like a Mark II, isn't it? Yeah, don't even. Who knew an SD card could poo itself and <laughs> chew up half an hour's worth, half an hour's worth of talking? That's why we're coming out on. This might be a Sunday or Monday it comes out. The YouTube video, I could not tell you when it's going out. This will be like a new and improved version because uh, I've been able to do a bit of homework now. Mm. Um, what was I going to say? YouTube video. Um, I don't know when this will be out because if I'm editing it on Monday, it's supposed to be out last Friday, might we add. Edit it on Monday. Um, that means at the minimum it'll be uploaded on Tuesday, but then we're uploading again on Thursday. So maybe we upload the podcast-only version on Tuesdays, on Fridays, but the video version's on Tuesdays, something like that. You're confusing me now. Just just worry about it when it comes. Yeah. Um, One day at a time. But let's talk about what happened when this was relevant. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Although oh, I will say um, now we're on the twenty sixth. It's one month today till my theory test. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming you've been doing lots of revision. No. What do we know? Because I haven't got around to it yet. You haven't got. <laughs> you haven't got around. It's been to a busy it. week. It really it? has. Yeah. It's the first day I've not done anything. I'm sure you didn't do anything yesterday. I did, but we can't talk about that now. Right. Okay. Um. So the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix happened whenever this. Jesus, this was like two weeks ago when this goes out. Nearly. Oh, last uh, last weekend, weren't it? Yeah, a week today, yeah. Mm. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, Australian Grand Prix is the weekend of next week when this goes out. Next weekend. So it'll be two or three days when this goes out. Right. And that does mean that qualifying and race start at like stupid o'clock in the morning. And I'll probably get up for it. Right. Okay. Anyway, so uh, about the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, uh, what do you, you uh, want to say on it? Good, weren't it? No, it weren't. Because it meant Fernando did well again. Yeah, despite... Uh, FIA trying to uh, do him, do him one over, eh? No. On several occasions. No, they were in his back pocket. No, right. because... Do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? I know exactly what so happened. So Jack touched the car? No, 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 before that. Oh, you mean the grid? Yes. Well, I do get that, but I've, I've that's happened before. I remember it happening before. I've said this before. John Todd and Ross Braun were being in that room when that decision was made, and if yeah. that was a Ferrari car, it would never have got looked at. Well, we'll never know, will we? Although I seem to remember the last time I remember that happening was Vettel in a Ferrari. But there you go. Mm, I seem to, I seem to remember one. something about that. Uh, so 
then he got a, a five second stop penalty in the pits that he had to take, which a mechanic uh, Jack touched the car during that five minutes, and another mechanic lent on the car, and any contact with the car is classed as working on it. So then that therefore got uh, taken away. That's serving. And then he got given a 10 second onto his race pace, didn't he? Ridiculous. If that had been no, a it red... Gets even, it gets even more ridiculous. If that because was a red car, it would have He got been. given it after the race, didn't he? Yeah. Not to down to P4. Then he got taken away after the race again to give him P3. Now, one thing that annoys me about this is uh, it happened to Ocon last weekend, or the last race, um, and they never said they never did a thing about it. Whereas Aston Martin said, look, Ocon did that. Oh, no, Ocon, like, it's happened in the past. Let, let us get away with it. And they went, all right. No, what they, what they probably said is you've got to treat everybody the same. So if one guy's and got away with it... They didn't treat Ocon right last weekend. Did you see the amount of penalties they gave him? Well... That was ridiculous. They were just penal- penalising the daylight out of him. You're driving for the wrong team then. But that was pretty much the highlight of that race weekend because the rest of it was boring. Well, uh, my bet's looking very good for the uh, Red Bull. Red Bull, yeah, I can they, imagine. They might as well just pay me. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, what, what did he start? Was it 15th? Finish P2. Finish P2. Leclerc started... No, actually, Verstappen might have started 16th and Leclerc 15th or so. No, Leclerc might have been like top, right about P10. And Leclerc just fell off a cliff. He didn't carry on going forward and Verstappen went past him. Well, even more crap strategy from Ferrari. At least they didn't swap drivers at the front. That would have, yeah. that would have ruined it. Yeah. Um, something also slightly related to Formula 1, but it is Formula 1. Uh, you mentioned me uh, in a comment on this on Facebook the other day. Did I? The uh, Senna documentary. The actor has been oh. confirmed. There's going to be a Senna documentary on Netflix. Correct. That sounds quite good. It's like a reenactment as well, isn't it? It's not like a bunch of people in interviews talking about Senna like last oh, one. No. This one's a proper one. But I, I don't know how far they've got with it, whether they've named an actor or whether they've filmed it. It might mm. be finished. It might be, it might be ready. I don't know. Yeah, we, did, we didn't look at that, did we? No. <laughs> Maybe we What we did look us. at is um, our today's main topic, which is uh, the story of Ayrton Senna, as last week or whenever we did last episode... We did the story of Jim Clark, didn't we? Yeah. And that yeah. seemed to be a decent episode. It gave us something to talk about, teach people something they didn't know, especially because, like, not a lot of people knew about Jim Clark, I want to say. I mean, those who know, know, but those who don't haven't got a scooby. Certainly the younger generation are yeah. aware. Um, so I guess here it is. Uh, this is Ayrton Senna's episode. Uh, Monday just gone, when I wrote this. This is, like, a week ago. Uh, the 21st of March would have been his 63rd birthday. Would it? The same age as Jeremy Clarkson, in fact. Right. right. Senna was a um, Brazilian Formula 1 driver from 1984 until when he died in 94, where he managed to win three drivers' championships, 41 Grand Prix, 65 pole positions, and until recently was responsible for the most dominant car to go to the sport, which was the McLaren that we've got on a poster over there, and it used to be over there, because I broke the thing and then you fixed it and then it's over there. Right. <laughs> Not good for podcast listeners. Uh, which was obviously the 1988 McLaren MP4-4. Oh, um, so with that being said, this is the story of uh, Ayrton Senna De Silva. That's his full name. Right. Uh, he split the name. De Silva We'll get is... on to that. We'll get on to it. Right. So uh, here is chapter one, which is called Early Life from 1960 to 1977. Ayrton Senna de Silva was born on, like I said, 21st of March 1960 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He was born as the middle child of a wealthy Brazilian family, at which his father owned various pieces of land and even a factory. The guy had money. 
Um, it helps. Yeah, it does. Especially that game. His parents were a mix of Italian, Spanish, and native descendants. Senna, like most of us, was already invested in motor racing by the age of just four years old. However, he was played with a condition called... <clears throat> Electroencephalography, or EEG for short. <laughs> Let's just call that EEG. That yeah. is not a good one to say when you got a cold. No. Which is um, essentially... You said it a lot better last week. Yeah, I did. That's because I was a bit more normal last week. Right. Um, which is a method to record uh, on electrogram of the spontaneous electrical activity of the brain, meaning that... Yeah, this was just copied on uh, Wikipedia. So essentially, um, to dumb it down in very layman's terms, is essentially he couldn't go up steps at the age of three. Like, he didn't have the ability to go up the steps. Not that he couldn't do it because of, like growth physically but like his body wouldn't let him i don't know how that links into it you have to look it up nevertheless senna um senna's passion soon to overtook his motor condition and by the age of seven he'd learned how to drive a jeep on his family's farm and change gears without the clutch i'll be like you i don't know if that's a good or bad thing anyway uh skip into 1977 it's quite a jump uh the year he left school he enrolled in a college that specialized in <clears throat> Business administration, mm-hmm. of which he only lasted three months. So we're very like me and Senna. Like, like for <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah. So that is the end of chapter one. Uh, so this is chapter two, which is called Nearly Formula One. Any guesses to what this means? Uh, nearly Formula One? You nearly made Formula One. Yeah, well, at this point he did. So Senna's entry into karting was made by his dad. Not like financially, I mean physically. It was a one-horsepower go-kart that his dad actually built for him that Senna raced at Interlagos and further into a karting competition at the age of 13. He, of course, put the kart on pole position ahead of the drivers who were significantly older than Ayrton, but he ironically retired from the race due to a collision with another driver. It weren't, it weren't somebody prost by any chance, were it? Not yet. <laughs> Although I'm a fan of Senna, um, it's difficult to hide from his driving style, uh, driving style which was a little bit sketchy. A little bit sketchy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Although he just put everything online, I guess. Aggressive, would you yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. Nevertheless, Senna quickly progressed into the karting world and won the South African Kart Championship in 1977. A quick side note, Senna's father was apparently very supportive of Ayrton's racing career. Right. That is a change, because usually these families don't seem to go for that, do they? Well, some do. And well, some mine don't. do. Uh, after success in South Africa... Senna was runner-up for the Karting World Championship in 79 and 80. So he didn't actually win it, which means there's people faster than him. Shock. Scary. Yeah. Uh, at the age of 19, of course. Interestingly, quite late, when you consider Max Verstappen won a race at, what, 16, 17? 17, I think. He held the record, doesn't he? Yeah, it was like Barcelona or something, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. Uh, anyway, in 1981, Senna moved to Eton in the UK, which is near Norwich, I believe where it allowed him to race in single-seater cars like Formula Ford. Oh. Someone drove them, didn't they? Like me. Worryingly, <laughs> towards the end of the 1981 season in Formula Ford, Ayrton didn't believe that he could actually continue in motorsport, and in conjunction with increasing family pressure to return to Brazil in exchange for work within their business, Senna announced his retirement from Formula Ford and returned back to Brazil. Right. Shocking. However, just before he left, Senna was offered a drive in Formula Ford 2000 for £10,000. Shortly after, he returned back to England and won the 1982 British and European Formula Ford 2000 Championships. So it's a good job they gave him that 
drive really, isn't it? Because it kind of saved his career and showed everyone what he was capable of. So he was driving Formula Ford in what, 2000? No, in the Formula Ford 2000. Oh, in 81, in 81 he drove the regular ones, then he yeah. went up to the bigger ones in 82. and Yeah, in 82. Anyway, then came along 1983, where his legendary battle with Martin Brundle began. Do you know much about this? Uh, no. Essentially, um, they were like neck and neck constantly. The two fought until the very final race for a title which Senna then stole from Martin. It's clear that at the end of the 1983 championship, both Senna and Brundle were seriously knocking on the door of Formula 1 for the following year's championship, the 1984 F1 season. Round about when you started watching, probably. Uh, yeah, they about. Anyway, that is the end of the first half, and we will get back on to um, the spicy bits. Right, yeah. Which is literally what you're here for. Yeah. Right, we'll uh, back in probably about however long this jingle lasts. All right, ta-da. Right, and welcome back to a part two of episode 11, season two. This is where it does get spicy, like I said. Do you have any idea where Senna went from Formula Ford 2000? Um, Come on, we shot this week, episode once. I know. This is how little attention you was paying to what I was saying. I've slept since then. <laughs> he went to um, Tolman. You got it, Tolman. Yeah. You went to Tolman in 1984. Now, after testing for Williams, McLaren, Brabham and Tolman, where Senna, unbelievably by the way, in a BMW Williams, set a faster lap time than current World Drivers champion, Keke Rosberg, in the same car. Right, I remember her. Uh, He's the Rosberg father senior. of, yeah, mm. Nico. Remember watching him? Obviously, it was given drives from Lotus, Brabham and McLaren, which Senna actually refused, as he didn't agree with the long contracts and loopholes that were associated with those contracts which is quite smart, and takes a lot of gut in backing of your own ability, doesn't it? They do, yeah. Then, after being denied a contract from a variety of other teams, following his different terms that he wanted, Senna joined the Tolman team for the 1984 Formula 1 season. Senna had a relatively poor start to his Formula 1 career, qualifying 17th at Sao Paulo and retiring due to turbocharger issues. This is back when, like, F1 cars were big turbo, you know, that sort of thing. Well, they weren't very reliable back then, were they? No, I mean, like... This is just like side rant because you'll you'll find out when we talk about it in a minute about the Lotus that he drove. The ninety eight T in the eighty six season, what they did was they run such high turbo pressure, I think it was five and a half bar of boost. I think like regular cars do about point seven bar of boost, like your polar. This thing's doing five and a half bar. Let that sink in. Okay. In a V six. So what they did is they built the engines to last three laps in qualifying, just built another one for the next race. And they just turned the boost down for the race so it lasts longer. Anyway, let's get back on to what I was talking about. However, Ayrton soon picked up and along came his famous wet race in Monaco. Do you know much about this? No. For those who know, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Where Senna essentially manoeuvred from 13th on the grid um, to a solid second place finish that was limited due to a race stoppage. If you have watched the original documentary on Senna, you will know this. At the time, he was catching race leader Alan Prost by four seconds per lap. So there's no doubt they would have won that race had it had continued. 
It's occasions like this, though, that cement Senna's ability to shine both on and off the track in terms of his feedback given to his engineers. Apparently, Senna was essentially a human version of the modern-day telemetry system with the feedback that he gave, how like, in-depth it was and things like that. Senna's debut season in 1984 resulted in a few podiums, but nothing more. But the talent was already shown and managed to dr- get a drive for Lotus in 1985. Skip into 1986, because I couldn't be bothered looking into 85, because 86 is the beefy season, which I was talking about. Uh, this is where Senna drove what is considered by many the most famous and ruthless car of Formula 1 ever made, the Lotus 98T, the 1,300 brake horsepower turbo monster. If I showed you a photo, you might recognise it. That's a lot of horses. And like I said, that is like, all, you know, turbo lag on that. It's You have to wait, 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 and 1,300 horsepower like that. It's bonkers, isn't it? Awesome. Senna got... Uh, got the car to fourth in the championship in 1986 and a better third in 1987. After two to three years of success at the recently deceased Chapman's Lotus team, Senna got the drive that he deserved, a seat in McLaren's 1988 MP44. This is where the dominance begins. Right. Chapter 4, McLaren. Having found himself in the second best car to grace the sport's history, following Max Verstappen last year, I want to say, yeah. 14 out of 15 races, I believe. Uh, Senna won half of the races he took part in uh, in 1988 and managed an astonishing 11 podiums too. Then along came 1989 and the ridiculous pace continued. However, Senna didn't win the 1989 World Drivers' Championship due to a collision with his teammate, Alan Prost, at the time. This is the infamous... Uh, were this Japan at the last... Suzuka. Senna went up the Shikane. inside, Prost turned in on him. Essentially, hmm. I'll maybe put like a quick screenshot on on the on the in the background. Or like I said last week, which we you didn't hear because we didn't put it up. I think if you play a video with your own audio over the top, it can't be copyrighted. I read, I listened to that on Joe Rogan. I think right. you need to listen to him. He's a good podcaster. Anyway, so yeah, the, the crash in Suzuka, Alan's so-called uh, blatant attempt at taking out Senna in that final race in Suzuka, was particularly unsuccessful as Senna still continued to race. However, a suspicious investigation taken out by the FIA awarded Alan the title in 1989. Do you know what I mean by that? Well, yeah. What was the French bloc's name in charge of the FIA in the 80s, 90s? yeah, yeah. Suspiciously very good friends with Alan Prost, yeah? My head. I think what he did is, obviously Prost is, let's, let's not call it blatant, let's just say they came together. They've both gone off on the little, off uh, like a skate road, in front of the chicane. Yeah. Prost's gone out of the car, think, that's it, he's not going to carry on, I've retired, that's it, I've won the title, yeah? S- Senna got the marshals, pushed his car, started it, went back going. But the problem is, he went down the escape road, and now he lost the race because they said he didn't complete the full length because he went on the escape road. Yet, in previous years, people had done that and got away with it. This this brings back onto the Alonso thing from earlier on. Yeah. Double standards. Yeah. Okay. Following this conflict, Prost left McLaren for rival team Ferrari, but all this meant was a clear run at 1990 and 91 championships for Senna, which he obviously won. But in 1991, things weren't so clear as you may think. At Senna's home Grand Prix in Sao Paulo, things were far from easy. You remember this story if you listened last week? <laughs> Bear in mind, he's never won at Sao Paulo. I think this was the only time up until then. I don't know about after. Anyway, essentially what happened, with just 10 laps uh, remaining, Senna looked on course to be winning his first home race. However, his gearbox thought otherwise. Although it didn't fail completely, 
the next best thing happened. Senna's McLaren was stuck in sixth gear. That is pain. It doesn't mean you've got a lot of traction, though. Because you can't... Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> you haven't yeah. got enough power to spin up. Yeah. Nevertheless, Senna soldiered on and actually won the race. Narrowly fending off... Um, it was that Patrice guy. Patrese. Ricardo Patrese. Ricardo Patrese. Right. Uh, by 2.9 seconds um, behind him. He just managed to get Probably it. Probably been in a Williams him. Yeah, you might be right on Mansell. that. With it's reported that Ayrton couldn't even lift himself out of the car due to pure exhaustion and was seen struggling to lift the trophy at the end of the race. I think he actually blacked out in the car at the end. Yeah, no, but it would be easier because you haven't got to change any gears. I get that, but I seem to think that like he was pushing even harder. Right. And that's where they got that from. Okay. Nevertheless, uh, income chapter five, which is called technological changes. Just a note on that. Back in the day when I used to watch, you know, like they used to get up to the podium and, and they the talking after the interviews, they'd be drip, they'd be wet through. Oh, yeah. And you don't see any of that now. I mean, that's why I guess it's always been a male sport. That's in inverted commas. Because it's like that people think that you need the endurance that a, a man, you know, has. And that's why back then it was like that because it was a lot more physically. Physical, yeah, yeah. But now, instead of fighting the steering wheel, you just fight the aerodynamics and your neck going like this. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, that's the only difference. Uh, and obviously, you know, diets and things like that, and trainings improve since then, so they could probably get away with it easier. Definitely. Anyway, chapter five, technological changes. In 1992, things weren't so plain sailing for Ayrton and his McLaren that had brought him success for so many years was no longer as effective as it had once been, due to rival team Williams making drastic changes to their car. Have you read about this? Uh, or just listen to me? Yeah, I listened last week. Essentially, all coming back. this meant they had a huge advantage of the entire grid, putting Senna and his success on the back burner. But Senna deserved a driver's championship for one act alone. In Spa in 1992, fellow driver Eric Comas had an absolutely gigantic crash. I don't know if you'll remember this crash. If I showed you the footage, you might remember no. it. Um, but did you know back in the day then, was it free to watch? Was it like watching an England national game it was on, on telly? Yeah, it was on grandstand in a, on a Saturday and a Sunday. Oh, oh. First you'd have like this, so and then put it on then? a bit of horse jumping. So did you watch it then? Yeah. Well, it's free, isn't it? Just leave yeah. it in the background. Anyway, but this this um, this crash actually did put uh, Comas's life on the line. But Ayrton was actually the following car behind Comas on track at the time, and actually got out of his car and ran to Eric's car, uh, and did as much as he could. You know, like basic first aid, turned his car off, make sure his head was like upright. Um, and it's reported that this actually saved his life. Right, good stuff. Senna got out of the car on track in a qualifying session. It could be qualifying. I'm not quite sure on that. Anyway. Shades of the British Grand Prix there where, uh, where it Russell got out. Yeah. For Grand Grand. Yeah, New. he tried to, yeah, when he went over the barrier. Nevertheless, Senna finished the 1992 season in a frankly rubbish position of fourth when you consider what he's been doing for the last three years. Uh, yeah, definitely a season to forget for the Brazilian. 1993 was here and slightly better than the previous year as Senna managed, considering McLaren's circumstances, an impressive second in the championship. But Ayrton's eyes were set on the Williams, both for good and bad reasons. Senna actually offered to forfeit some of the remaining races in 93 just to get a seat at Williams. <laughs> and everybody else knew the sheer power and technical ability of that Williams, and everybody wanted it. And in 1994, Senna got it, just not quite in the way that he'd hoped. Right. Chapter 6, 1994. Dot, dot, dot. That's what I've put for the uh, title of this one. I think it's quite dramatic, isn't it? Not bad. This is where you can actually have some input on this for a change, because <laughs> you read up about this crash. 
Yeah, I knew the basic. Let's get then, up to it. Uh, go on then. Along came Williams' 1994 car, but not even similar to their 93 and 92 car. Due to regulation changes from the 94 season, all of Williams' techn- uh, technology that gave him the mouth-watering pace in the previous years prior was completely gone for this season, as it meant that Senna's move to Williams made him actually worse off. This also meant that Senna, who had a traditional driving style, you know, like ragging it sort of thing, not relying on it at computer aids, meant that he could only, you know, drive a poor car. And a car that didn't know how to drive, essentially. Senna retired from the first race and second race of the season, and then along came the third race at the San Marino Grand Prix at Imola of 1994. This is where it all goes, tits up. Well, yeah, yeah. Imola was notorious uh, for its danger, with its frankly scary average lap speed, even back in the day. And it really did fre- uh, flex its danger in the 1994 uh, season. Roland Ratzenberger was killed on Saturday, and Rubens Barrichello very nearly followed him in Friday, Friday practice. I don't know how he survived that. I'll be honest. Which one? Rubens Barrichello in Friday, on that Friday practice. I haven't seen that one. Have you seen Ratzenberger's crash? Yeah. Because the cameras aren't 100% on it, but... No, no, they're not. Uh, I think we'll put like maybe a screenshot on screen of a car flying through the air. Because <laughs> that's what they both were, I think. Right. This left the lingering feeling in the air for, uh, for Sunday's race. Nevertheless, the race went on as normal with Ayrton on pole position. Lights out and contact immediately. JJ uh, Lentos, Lentos. Uh, Benetton stalled and caused uh, Pedro Lamy. 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 Sorry, I, I just don't know these drivers' names because I went live. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I watched this race from the kitchen. Right, it caused, it caused Pedro's car to fly straight into the back of the car that stalled. Um, JJ's. Uh, specifically, it flung debris across the entire track and resulted in the safety car being brought out whilst the debris was cleared. Inverted commas. Lap 5 came to an end and so did the safety car's experience on track. After one lap under racing conditions, along came the infamous lap of the motorsport's uh, worst piece of history, lap 7 of the San Marino Grand Prix. Like any other lap, Senna barreled down uh, to Imola's first corner, Tamburello, but unfortunately didn't make it out on the other side. Mysteriously, Senna had veered off the track and struck the wall in excess of 100 miles an hour. Ayrton Senna was pronounced dead at the hospital later that day. Brazil and the rest of the world had lost their true hero. Their saving grace had been killed doing the thing he loved. Let's start. There is so many things I want to pick out of that. <laughs> so many Go on things. then. I'll give you my theory. So, the Benetton stolen track. This is the alternative theory according to Wikipedia. Is it? Yeah. Well, this is the one that I believe. So, I believe that the car stole on track, someone flew into the back of him, debris on the track. That is fact. That's what happened, yeah? Yeah, we know that. So then the safety car's out for a few laps, blah, blah, blah. They come in on the end of lap five, so they've got one lap, yeah? Senna is on pole. Senna's the first car to go through there. Admittedly, any car could have run through that uh, debris throughout any of that race. It under safety car, couldn't they? Yeah. But the stewards were on track, so they would have probably avoided it. So this is why I think under the first racing lap was where someone caught debris. Took a different line. Specifically Senna, yeah? Then I think on lap six, the punctures escalated, and by lap seven, when he got to the first corner, under the biggest amount of load on track, because it's the fastest corner, the tide blows out, and then he goes into the barrier. That's my theory. That's your theory. Because I do, you protested this, but I've, I, I remember specifically watching a video on this, where it was like a top-down view of like a virtual reenactment of it, like... M- Frame by frame, the smallest increments of the onboard computer. And it, this is what it said. The car did jolt a bit, as if it had hit a bump or something like that. 
not so much left, right, or back end stepping out, but like a jolt of some sort. And I think that jolt was the tire. But we know what actually, ki- you know, we know what killed him was the thing through the head, wasn't it? It was a suspension arm through the skull. Uh, it said there were three things, and any one of the three could have done it. So go on then. What's the actual theory or your theory? Well, the official uh, the steering thing, column, isn't it? Steering column broke or snapped. And, and you don't need the virtual from above. You, the in-car footage is there. It's on YouTube. You can sit there and you can sit in the car with him and you can see what that wiggle is. Yeah, but you can't see the back wheels. You don't need to see the back yeah, wheels. Yeah, but that's where it happened. Back left tyre. The steering wheel is turning the front. Yeah. Right? Then you've got, like, uh, the other camera angle from, from the front where you see the car go across. And I, I must, I've got to admit this. I haven't watched the accident footage since it happened. Yeah. Since 94. Because I, 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 I was quite a fan of Senna. I yeah. didn't really want to go back to it. And yeah. I've had to go back to it for this. Yeah. And we've seen that footage, especially from the aerial where he sat in the car, it made me feel ill. Yeah, it does. And I, I just... Goosebumps. I, I don't ever want to see it again. No, definitely not. After this, I've done with it. That's what I mean. Like, people like Lewis, I want him to retire when he's got his last season. I want him to just bugger off. Stay alive, stay in one piece. You know, like Schumacher, another yeah. great that's been ruined. Just didn't sit well at all with me. That I mean, video. let's think. Top five drivers of all time. Lewis is the only one that's still functioning properly. Well. Isn't it? Anyway, so go on. So, yeah. Steering column. The steering column. He'd been complaining about the seating position, hadn't he? So what they did I is... I thought it was the diameter of the wheel. I read something that he'd liked a smaller wheel. No, it was too close or too... I think it was too close. Right. So they've made the uh, steering column shorter. Mm. Cut some out, welded they've it together. They've bodged it though, haven't they, allegedly? And what they've found is weld marks on it that somebody's tried to clean up and stress fractures mm. now what what williams is saying is is uh this happened when the accident happened that's what caused the weld to bust yes rather than the uh, the, the weld causing the accident the accident caused the weld the weld to yeah, break right, got it, yeah? yeah but stress Which fractures, I, think I believe that actually stress fractures afterwards no i i just don't get it although to be fair, to back that theory, I do seem to remember, I haven't watched the footage in years, but I seem to think from my memory that it's sort of like you were turning in and the car went straight, as if like the steering disconnected. Yeah. Does it, that it, sound about right? Yeah, there's, there's definitely no oversteer, because Adrian Newey said it a, a few years after, because they nearly put him in jail for it, or right, he could so. have done, uh, that he oversteered. And it, there's no way on this earth no. that car oversteered. No. The back end instead there, there will have been some reason why it oversteered. A car doesn't oversteer when you going pretty much in a straight line under so much downforce. Like, a car doesn't just spin. That's, no. not, that's just not how it works. And that, that, so that brings me happened. to the other thing. You know the other thing, that picture I sent you, about what happens in Italian law if, if, if a, <sighs> somebody dies at a motor, motor event, the rest of the thing has to be cancelled. See, what we're saying by this, people that don't know, is on Saturday, Ratzenberger got killed. Now, if he was pronounced dead on track or at the event... That race would have never gone on. Correct. Sunday would have never happened. Senna could have still. But been you know what there. they did? They kept. They said no. He died at the hospital. So a, they don't have to refund tickets, and b, the race can still go on. Yes, correct. Yeah. So obviously, the race has gone on. And that's happened, and they've even done it to Senna, haven't they? They yeah. went. Uh, what did they say now? They said he died at the hospital. I mean, he actually did because I, you know, when you especially on Schumacher's documentary, they said about it. Schumacher was like, I still thought he were alive until Monday nearly. We all did. But when you see him in the car... He was allegedly in a coma for a while. What? Although, when you saw him in the car, he looked dead. I mean, his head moved, and I think that, looked, at that point, yeah. that was yeah, it. Yeah, I thought that as well. I think Someone what they've done is... Up, don't they? 
they've they've kept him alive long enough so to get him to the hospital so they don't have to say it happened there, which yeah. is disgusting. It and is. it wouldn't surprise me if, if they didn't do the, the same thing with Ratzenberger as well. They could have probably got away with Ratzenberger because he was a much lower class driver, wasn't he, than Senna? Well, correct. People would have complained about it. They'd have lost a lot of money. Mm. But we could still have answered it. Yeah. I think we should actually touch on the 94 season at some point in general because it is actually quite controversial in terms of cheating. Because, like I said, 94 was the season they banned all the advancements in like the technology, you know, traction control, launch control, automatic gears. They banned all that for 94. And a lot of teams still had it, you know, encoded in the system behind certain barriers, but they could access. And that is why I think that his car stalled on the grid. Uh, because Benetton, they were at the height of all the oh, investigations. Yeah, yeah. And they it. did have launch control in the system. And there was, a, there was like a procedure you had to follow to activate it. And interestingly, earlier on in that season, Senna had actually, when he retired in one of them races, he sat trackside and tried to listen for traction control interfering with the throttle. And he started protesting it because he thought, you know, traction control. He was technically wrong because it was launch control. Nevertheless, they still had something they shouldn't. And I think it failed, causing his stall, causing the car to fly into the back of him, causing the debris, causing the tyre wall. Right. Big theory. But what do we, you guys we, think? Yeah, what do you think about that? We will come... I think we might even do 94 season next week. You see, they did try to do Senna as well on the, on the practice day. Did you hear about when Ratzenberger crashed? He commandeered a, a, a pace oh, he car. Nicked, yeah, he nicked a medical car and tried to go on track, didn't he? Uh, no, I think he got somebody to drive him round. Right. And uh, he got in... It, they, they, were gonna, they could have got him in trouble for it, but they let it go. Yeah. Didn't he have a flag of Ratzenberger in his car when he... Correct. When he yeah, got I was just going to bring yeah. that up. Yeah, he was going to drive round... <laughs> Waving the flag from his country. Yeah. What anyway, a mess. Yeah. That is the end of this week's episode anyway. Um, yeah. I guess I guess we could do Nightfall next week. At some point. Or maybe in two days' time. Maybe we ought to be a bit more cheerful next time. Yeah, that might help. So. And stop slagging off drivers. <laughs> Including Alonso. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Okay. Ta-da. <laughs>